shippers are getting smarter about protecting their freight in transit, but the thieves are getting smarter too. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Cargo theft is a constant problem. According to the FBI, it's responsible for losses of between 15 and $30 billion a year. To fight the problem, industry is bringing all sorts of creative tools to bear. A recent one is the Sting Trailer, which is loaded up with monitoring equipment and used to nab unsuspecting thieves who are drawn to its contents. There are any number of cameras and tracking devices out there for use by shippers and carriers, but they haven't put a stop to theft. Today we're going to talk about the scope of the problem, its cost to shippers, the most vulnerable types of cargo, and the riskiest areas in which to move it. My guest is Scott Cornell, a theft investigator for travelers' companies. He'll reveal some of the techniques that thieves employ to steal trucks and trailers and how law enforcement is fighting back. And he'll offer some tips on how to reduce the possibility that you'll be hit by theft. So here is my conversation with Scott Cornell. Scott Cornell, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. What's the true picture on cargo theft today? Uh, we're hearing that the numbers are down, but is that actual incidents of theft that are down, or is reporting what's down? It could be a combination of both. One of the things when I speak about this subject in particular, I always say, you know, use some good common sense and some caution, right? So all the numbers that are out there in the industry and available in the industry are based on voluntary reporting. Right. So it could definitely be that some of the reporting is down. And then and I would say take note of that in more specific areas. Right. In certain places, California had a small lapse in time where they were replacing the analyst that was responsible for the reporting. So there may have been a lapse in reporting there. Texas notably has done a very good job of increasing their reporting. So their reporting may be a little bit more accurate, you may actually see a bump there just because of the increase in the in the reporting. But if you're involved in the industry, you kind of get a feel for that, right? You kind of know that what's going on here, what's going on there, what's going on in this part of the country, that part of the country. Overall, I would say that the activities of law enforcement and the private industry working together over the past year have had some pretty good impacts on some of the uh, organized cargo groups out there. And there's been some good impact in that way. And there has probably been some reduction in cargo theft in certain areas of the country. So what is the scope of the problem? We're hearing numbers. The FBI has coded numbers of $15 billion to $30 billion in losses each year in the U.S. What do you think is a accurate number to as, as much as possible that defines the cost of cargo theft in this country today? Sure. So this is a, a topic of conversation at almost every cargo theft or cargo industry gathering. This is a debate that's been going back and forth for as long as I've been involved in cargo theft, which has been a long time. And so uh, 
there have been numerous industry reports with those numbers, you know, the ones that you mentioned ranging from, you know, 15 billion to 30 billion, and there's been lower ones. And there have been people saying for years that do we really understand the, the or have a good grasp on the scope of the problem? And I think there's a bunch of different ingredients in the answer to this. And what I mean by that is, first of all, it depends on how you count it. If you're going to count it as just the value of that load, you know, let's say it's a load of widgets and it's valued at X amount of dollars. What is that value? Is that retail? Is that wholesale? And is that the only value that should be counted? Or do you count what it costs to remanufacture that load of widgets, what it costs for law enforcement to investigate the loss of that load of, of widgets, what it costs for the company that lost the load of widgets to go and find them or investigate it, what's the loss of market value of not having the widgets on the shelf for sale, all those things. If you count all those things in there, if you, if you look at it and you say, hey, that's the impact of it and, and it's a ripple effect and it all has to be counted in there, I think you're going to find that the numbers are pretty high. But ultimately, because of, going back to the first topic that you brought up, the fact that it's voluntary reporting right now, nobody can really come forward and say, this is a complete formula that we can use to tell you what the financial impact is. It is a big financial impact. I mean, there's no yeah. question. It's, it's definitely a, an impactful type of theft. And I would think you would want to include every possible cost as the true cost of cargo theft, not just the loss of the merchandise, but all that other stuff you, you mentioned. Those are costs that are accrued to companies that suffer from this problem. I agree. I think it's a ripple effect that goes out and has tentacles in all the directions and impacts more than just that single load that, that was stolen. Who are the thieves? Are they individuals? Are they local gangs? Are they organized crime? Is it possible to generalize? It's not really a good idea to generalize in this. It, it varies from different parts of the country. I would tell you that it's organized. The caveat there is when you say organized crime, everybody you know has a specific image in their head. And, and what I would say is step away from that image. And more accurate image is that when I say organized, I mean it in the literal sense. It's a group of organized cargo thieves working together. They're very organized in their methods. They're organized in their techniques. They're organized in their gathering of intel and the way that they execute on that intel and those types of things. So it's organized in the sense that it's not chaotic, it's not random, that type of thing. But depending on where you're evaluating it across the country, it can be a, a, a very small group. It could be an individual. It could be one or two people. It could be a larger group, anywhere from 20 to 50. If you get into the upper Midwest, you get into Illinois, there's been some documented involvement of local gangs involved in cargo theft. If you get into certain areas of Canada, there's been some documented involvement of local gangs or even national gangs or even larger entities than that. And so it varies from where you are. In the United States, when you're looking at the top six states being California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, New Jersey, and Illinois, you're going to say they're organized groups and they can go anywhere from five to 25 on the norm. And they're very good at what they do and they specialize in this type of crime. Well, I wanted to ask you about the biggest areas of risk and theft, and I think you just answered that geographically. But what are some of the other risk areas in terms of industries that get hit, products that get hit, modes of transportation, types of equipment? Who has the highest profile for being susceptible to cargo theft? Sure. So I wouldn't say that the answer is a who. It's more of a what, right? So they like to target certain commodities. So anybody who, who hauls those target commodities is susceptible to this type of theft. 
anybody who warehouses moves handles these these target types of commodities. At some of the recent industry gatherings I've been involved in, uh, a great point's been brought up, which is when you look at at a lot of these gatherings, you'll put a heat map up on there and it'll show a map of the United States and it'll show those top six states that I mentioned as the hottest spots, right? And one of the points that we always make is don't for one second think that if you're not hauling or handling these commodities in one of those red areas that you're safe because that it doesn't mean that. It just means those are the hottest spots. And it also means that those are also the best states at reporting those thefts, right? So when you look at the other areas that are maybe not lit up on the map as hot spots, it may not necessarily mean that there's not cargo theft there. It may just mean that there's no mode of reporting. And so when you have maybe a, a disadvantage in the reporting area, it can give kind of a false sense of safety. So cargo thieves will go anywhere where the cargo moves. And the old adage in the industry is cargo at rest is cargo at risk, meaning if it's sitting somewhere parked anywhere in the country, it's at risk for theft. When you talk about the commodities, the top commodities are food and beverage, electronics, uh, clothing and apparel, those types of things. And, there, and there's, there's usually like a top 10 list of that. And when you look at those, if, if you're hauling or handling those types of commodities, then you're at risk for the theft. So it's not really about the who, it's about the what. But of course, you're in a lot of cases, hauling a closed container or a trailer in which it might not be obvious what's inside, do the thieves have some intelligence in advance knowing what's in those boxes, or are they simply taking a chance? Yeah, they gather intelligence in a lot of different ways. So we, we've known over the years that they'll conduct surveillance on distribution points to see what's moving in and out of certain areas. Uh, we've seen incidents where they'll basically shop trailers. So if there's several trailers parked in one place, you'll find the seals broken on a number of the trailers as they simply open the doors to see what's what's in each one of those trailers and pick the commodity that, that they're most interested in. Do they gather some intel? Yeah, they do. They gather intel about what's moving. They uh, they steal information. They follow loads, you know, follow loads out of certain distribution centers. We've seen some use of cyber techniques in the use of gathering information and intel on loads over the past few years. And, and to some extent in the industry, it's kind of known what moves out of what parts of the country, what distribution centers are located where. And when you examine some of those loads and, you know, the load is coming out of a specific part of the country and it has a certain value to it, you can kind of guess what it might be. When you say cyber techniques, you mean hacking into sites that have that kind of information as to what's in the in the container of the trailer? No, more hacking into the infor where, you know, where the information may be cataloged or intercepting emails or planning Trojan viruses to find out some more specific information related to what is the commodity that's moving. How often is it an inside job where there's a confederate in the company involved in helping the thieves? That's always a hot topic of conversation. I think that a lot of times there's a very big assumption that there's more of that that goes on than there actually is. But does it happen? Yeah. I mean, has, has it been seen? Have there been incidents like that? Has law enforcement documented incidents like that? Has, has law enforcement investigated cases and seen cases where that's occurred? Uh, absolutely. But... I think that there is a natural tendency out there to think that the information had to come from some kind of an inside source. And while that does happen, I don't think it happens quite as often as people think. So let's talk about how shippers can protect themselves in this environment of, of cargo theft. First of all, I'm interested in the use of the Sting trailer. Could we talk about that a little bit? Tell me what that is and, and what value that has and, and what impact that's having on the whole situation. Sure. Well, the Sting trailer is something we're very proud of, right? I think travelers 
uh, as a corporate citizen, sincerely took this on as something to contribute to the overall problem. Travelers Insurance made a strong investment to build a sting trailer that has the latest and greatest technology that can be used for uh, combating cargo theft. So what this is, is it's a trailer, uh, and it's equipped with surveillance equipment, and it can be used to target organized cargo theft ring activity. Uh, we tend to deploy it in the best way that we think can protect it and, and assist our insureds, right? So if we see our insureds being hit or we see that there's an organized group in an area where our insureds are going to have to do business or where we know our insureds are going to do business, we're going to, do, we're going to work with the NICB, which is the National Insurance Crime Bureau. They deploy the sting trailer for us with law enforcement. And so each deployment is done with law enforcement. Law enforcement uses the trailer. We don't use it. Law enforcement uses it through that relationship with National Insurance Crime Bureau. And they'll use it as a sting trailer to put out with, loaded with commodities that are being targeted in that area in hopes that the bad guys will steal that trailer. That trailer then leads law enforcement to those bad guys because of the surveillance equipment. Like uh, satellite tracking and, and stuff like that? Tracking, surveillance equipment, you know, video equipment, those types of things to document all of the activity that goes on and is inherent in that theft activity. How long has it been out there in the world? I think we officially unveiled it around 2009, in the beginning of 2009, and deployed it sometime mid-2009, and we've had it out there again, with NICB and law enforcement since that time. And it's out most of the year each year. It's, you know, it's brought in for maintenance or some technology upgrades, those types of things on occasion. But for the most part, it's out. Are you speaking of it in the singular? I mean, is it this one trailer or do you deploy more than one? Travelers has one trailer. There are some others out there in the industry. A couple of different law enforcement entities have their own sting trailers. There is one transportation company that I know of out there that has one. I think there's maybe four or five of them out there in the industry as a whole, but we only have one. Has this one and others shown measurable results? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. There's been a number of arrests made as a result of the use of sting trailers, and in particular our sting trailer has helped law enforcement garner several arrests as well as shut down some organized cargo theft and ring-related activity in certain areas. It's been very successful. It's a very useful tool, I think, both for private industry and law enforcement, and the impact has been tremendous. How much of the equipment and technology on the Sting Trailer really ought to be on all trailers that ought to protect uh, all, all equipment out there right now? How feasible is it that that stuff be put on those? I think that's a great question. I think that each company has to evaluate their own return on investment, obviously. And I think that one of the things I always talk about is that technology should be part of a layered theft prevention plan, a comprehensive and layered theft prevention plan. So technology should be one ingredient in that. In a direct answer to your question specific to technology, things like covert tracking have become very reasonable cost-wise, right? So the cost of, of covert tracking nowadays, there's several of these uh, of these companies across the industry that do this and offer it at a very affordable rate. A lot of the devices that are out there work very well. I'm, it's important to evaluate them, obviously, and make sure that they work and perform the way that you need them to perform. But the costs on this type of technology have really come down, and they, they have some duplicity in their purpose as well. So, you know, you can use that to help monitor and track your fleet as, as well in some cases as for that theft prevention or theft recovery aspect of it. 
I think to some extent my perception of the use of this technology gets a little bit skewed because I keep reading stories about those that are on the cutting edge that all you have these various trucking companies and, and shippers who have cameras front and rear and they have G- GPS and they have uh, all kinds of things at the moment that the um, trailer or container is open, they can see, they send out alerts, they alert law enforcement. I'm just wondering to what extent, how widespread is the use of that stuff right now really out there in the real world? We're seeing more and more of it across the industry, especially as the technology has become less and less expensive more and more accurate, and more and more ease of use, and also because of the potential duplicity of use. So we're seeing it growing across the industry. You have to think, you have to take certain things into perspective if you're looking at a, at a trucking company. The number of trucks that they have, you know, we can sit here and have a discussion and say that that individual tracking device is, let's just say for just an easy number, costs $200. But if you have 10,000 trailers to put that in, that expense has just grown exponentially, right? So you have to put some of that in perspective. But I do think that we're definitely seeing the industry lean towards better use of this. And the most effective use of it is when you make it part of an overall comprehensive theft prevention plan that you have. When we work with our insurers, we work with our clients, we talk to them about their process and procedures as much, if not more so, than the use of technology. And so good process and procedures, which are quite often free, and they just take the time and, and, and the discipline to put into place, are going to be your best theft prevention methods. And then when you layer that with this type of technology that you're talking about, it becomes that much more effective. Because remember, any technology that you buy or that you utilize is going to be operated by people. So there's always the opportunity for human error. So if you have good process and procedures to put in place around that technology, that technology is going to become even more impactful for you. Yeah, I wonder if there's a tendency for companies to have acquired very sophisticated technology to get complacent once they've done it, feeling that that's the solution and that they haven't addressed the business process side of it. Do you do you think that's an issue sometimes? I haven't personally seen that issue, but I, I, I think you make a good point. I think that there is a tendency as a whole, we rely on technology so much that sometimes we just think that technology is the fix-all. And, and to the you know to the point of our conversation, I think it's an added layer into your program. But if you rely on it, if you were to rely on it completely and just kind of take your eye off the ball and think that the technology is going to take care of everything, I think you could get into the situation that you're referring to. I'm sure your customer base is in a certain instance a self-selected sample of companies that are aware of the need for this by virtue of the fact that they work with you and they have policies with you and the like. But in general, do you feel that companies out there are aware of the risk and the size of the, of the problem and that top executives are willing to invest the resources and the time and the technology and the training in truly addressing this problem? I think in the industry over the past, let's say, 10 years, there has been a very good effort on the part of the industry and law enforcement to heighten the awareness around the problem. And I think that in the second five years of that 10 you can definitely see that awareness there. You can see the industry being much more aware of the problem. You're seeing much more participation by some of those executives uh, at some of the conferences, at some of the meetings. You're seeing a good application of resources, funds dedicated to preventing theft. Theft can be extremely disruptive to the supply chain. It can be disruptive not only to the supply chain, but to business relationships. 
that are a part of that supply chain and a part of moving the cargo across the country. So you're, I think you're seeing executives that over the past 10 years and in particular the past five years have really taken note of that and do see that it's a worthwhile subject to be aware of and to dedicate resources to. So, yeah, I, I definitely think the industry is responding right now. Meanwhile, from the cargo theft side, from the thieves' perspective, I would imagine that no matter each time you roll out a very sophisticated solution to preventing theft, their job then is to try to overcome it. So it's at a constant kind of uh, battle to introduce new techniques only to have them overcome those, and then you have to strengthen it even more. I mean, is that an ongoing problem? What do you think thieves are going to be out there doing in the future? How much more sophisticated do you expect them to get? I can tell you we definitely see that. So that that is something that we combat on a regular basis. I've made mention on several occasions that the bad guys monitor what we do as much as we monitor what they do. Uh, They watch to see what type of techniques and technology the industry is going to use to adapt and prevent the theft that's out there, and they very quickly adjust to these types of things. I think that cargo theft is something I've said for a long time, that you have to be involved in on a regular basis because it changes very quickly. Some of the old methods and some of the most common methods are there and and really haven't changed that much. But when you talk about things such as uh, strategic cargo theft, which gets into fictitious pickups and identity theft and those types of things, we see regular adjustments, regular efforts on the part of the organized groups to disguise what they're doing, change the appearance of what they're doing. Well, at the core, the effort is the same They do a very good job of kind of bobbing and weaving around uh, some of the things that the industry will do to prevent those thefts. A a good example of that is a a fictitious pickup, which involves a scenario where a a legitimate trucking company is supposed to pick up a load of widgets at 1 o'clock, and everything about that pickup arrangement has been put in place correctly, and the intent of the carrier is to be there at 1 o'clock to pick up those widgets. Uh, But at 11 o'clock, the bad guys show up posing as that carrier, pretending to be that carrier, and they just kind of spin a story that they got there early and they didn't didn't have any delays and they'd like to get loaded up and get on the road because it's Friday and they want to avoid traffic and everything like that. And they get loaded up and they take off, and at 1 o'clock, the legitimate carrier shows up, you know, ready to pick up that load. Well, in response to that, the industry came out and said, hey, okay, this is a red flag. If the load's supposed to be picked up at 1 o'clock and somebody shows up at 11 o'clock, these are some things you need to start to check on. These are some questions you need to start to ask, and this is how you, you go about verifying if that that person is the right person. Well, then what did the bad guys do? The bad guys adjusted to using cyber methods or other methods, uh, uh, deceptive methods, to call the original carrier off of the load and tell that carrier that you don't need to pick that load up anymore at 1 o'clock. So now the bad guys can show up at 1 o'clock posing as that carrier. No questions asked. There's no red flags raised, and they can take off with that load. So they adjust very quickly. Well, Scott, I want to thank you so much for taking time with us here to describe the situation with regard to cargo theft and some of the solutions potentially that are out there to prevent it and the need for awareness by companies to engage in practices that will help to stop it. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. That was my conversation with Scott Cornell of Travelers Companies, offering tips on how to protect against cargo theft. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. 
You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.